So we've got some special speakers. We've got our own Ashley Baugh, the world traveling evangelist. And then the amazing Misty Duke that is also going to be bringing word. They're going to co-do this. So Ashley's going to start us off. If we could all please give her a warm welcome. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all your bright, shiny faces. So before we get started, let's pray. Lord, we are just so honored to be here, Lord. It's a miracle that each one of us is here, Lord. There's a unique story for each person here, God, and I just give you the glory this morning for how you can take a broken life, Lord, and restore it. Lord, how you take those who are weak and and seemingly um, helpless, God, and, and you restore us, God. You make us strong in you. And I just thank you even now, Holy Spirit, that you will come, that you speak to each of us individually, Lord, uniquely where we're at right now. So I just thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. It didn't just happen at Pentecost, but it's for today. So we thank you for the power of the Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, and I bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ashley Baugh. I am 29 years young. I still like to have fun, have a good time. But I got saved about eight years ago, and I'm super grateful because I was raised in a Christian family, so you would have thought it might have happened a little bit sooner, but we all have our unique timeline. So we were asked to share about our favorite part about the kingdom of God, and personally, that is a very easy, easy subject to want to share about because one of my favorite things about the kingdom is that we can hear from the king uniquely and personally. And that's the reason that I'm standing up here today, because I, de I didn't know about the fact that we could hear from the Holy Spirit, that we could hear from the Lord for ourselves. And that's why I'm up here today. And I'm so thankful to be sharing. So like I said, I was raised in Christianity. My dad became a pastor when I was six years old, so as you can imagine, we were in church multiple times a week. And I learned that Christianity, for our family at least, it was a lot of don'ts. Like, there's a lot of things we don't do, and that's kind of what makes up who we are. We do go to church, that's a given, but there was, you know, kind of the typical, like, we don't use the Lord's name in vain, we save sex for marriage, we don't drink, we don't cuss. And that was what made up my identity. And as you can imagine, as a teenager, an early 20-year-old, that didn't last very long because in your own strength, you can't keep back the tide of culture. But with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. I just didn't know it. I had to totally get rid of Jesus to meet the true Jesus. So it was when I was 21, I was asked to, a Bible, to go to a Bible study I did not want to go to. Reluctantly, I went, and little did I know, I got totally wrecked for the ordinary because there was one woman there who didn't even attend the church who said, you know, I hear from God personally. He uses me to prophesy. He's, he's had me raise someone from the dead before in the hospital, and I'm like, I, did, I thought that this was just for, like, Paul and the people in the Bible, but this is real. So I, I found out that God was real, but that he also wanted to use me, a simple girl who knew a lot about God but didn't really know him. So in a moment, my life transformed, transformed, and I began to pursue the Lord and to pursue 
hearing his voice for myself personally. So I'm here to tell you it's not just for the ultra holy that can hear the voice of God, but it's for you and for me. It's for the children of God. This is for those who are in the kingdom of God today. So like we all know, there's varying levels of relationship. There are those who you have an acquaintance with. Maybe you talk a few times a year and it's kind of surface level. And then we have our close friendships with, you know, people who maybe we talk to weekly and we enjoy that time and we can, we can go deep in conversation and like to spend time with. But the very relationship that God used to describe what he wants with us as his children is that between a bride and a groom. He calls himself the bridegroom, and he says that we are his bride. That is the most intimate form of relationship that we can have. And it would be a little bit awkward if you didn't talk to your spouse for a month or you didn't talk to them for a week. But God wanted to make it clear to us through his word that it's a daily thing. He desires that nearness. And just like with your spouse, you don't go a long time talking without talking to them, so too God wants to talk to us on a daily basis, uniquely and personally. And that is a really good thing. And it even says in Isaiah 54, 5, for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Now that is pretty legit, that the God of the whole earth who's keeping everything in existence, holding it all together by his his word, his very breath, he also calls himself our husband. Now that's pretty radical that he's taking that time to be on such a personal, intimate level with us. And that has been transformative in my own life. So likewise, communication can be one of the most painful parts of relationships here on earth. You know, maybe it's the lack of communication or it's the words that are spoken that are painful. There's life and there's death in the tongue. But the cool thing is, that as a perfect savior, Jesus gave us an eternal love letter through the Bible. And he didn't want to leave us guessing. We don't have to, in this, you know, this earth realm, we don't have to search for philosophy and all of the mystics and all of these different things. He gave us his word that we would not be mistaken of what he says about us, what he says about himself, and what our life consists of, which I'm super thankful for. So, <laughs> when I was... Learning how to hear the voice of God, you know, it's a process. And in 2016, I was about a year and a half into following the Lord. And I can remember I had heard about missionaries and people going to other nations and other countries. And I was like, Lord, you haven't opened a door for me to go yet. So I'm going to help you. And I'm going to plan a five-month trip to Israel with me and my best friend so that we can go in your name to your land so we just really dove in, you know, we didn't try to half it, we went for it. So I started feeling this lack of peace as I was planning this trip, and we even bought tickets to Israel, and, and I was like, oh, Lord, I just, you know, I really have the fear of the Lord, and still do, I'm like, Lord, I just want to do your will, I don't want to, like, misstep, and, and so I said, like, correct me, redirect me if need be. So I think it was around December 4th, 2016, and I woke up at around midnight, it was a Sunday, and I just began worshiping the Lord and just seeking him in my bedroom. And it was as if a hole was cut in the ceiling and the manifest presence of God came upon me, and I just shook 
under the presence of God for four hours. And as I'm just weeping there, and I'm just like, Lord, do you want to say something? Like, what is this all about? This is great. But, and I heard four times, the only thing I heard, I'm the one giving you the lack of peace for Israel. You're not supposed to go. And I said, oh, that's a really kind way to do it, Lord. Thanks for the love. <laughs> but it was awesome. You know, as a shepherd and as a father, he will correct his children. He's the one who will fulfill and finish the good work that he's begun in us. He's the one. That's his job. We get to obey and keep in step. So the next day, I gladly told my friend, hey, I will not be going to Israel with you. And she ended up going and was blessed. But just like God, he's so good. With that, that obedience to not go and to listen, which that would have been kind of hard not to, um, but it was great. A month later, I found myself on my first missionary trip to Haiti, and that has changed the whole course of my life, and I'm still connected with the people there today and super thankful for that. So God is truly faithful. And one thing I will say is that when there's a lack of peace in our hearts, it says in Colossians 3.15, it says to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So it might be our emotions that are causing us to feel anxious, but we want to check up with the Lord and say, hey, are you the one causing this lack of peace or is that my own emotions? And so God wants to, to lead us as the Prince of Peace. He says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So he's, he's a peaceful kind of guy. He likes peace. <laughs> so one of the marks of intimacy is that it's a two-way relationship, just like with a spouse. If it's one way, you'd be like, hmm, that begs the question, like, what's going on here? Let's have a conversation. But, but the Lord invites us, he says, ask to seek and to knock. This is all an invitation to hear from the Lord. And it says in Jeremiah 9, 24, what I'm going to share is a paraphrase, but it says that he delights in us understanding and knowing him. For in these I delight, the verse, verse it says that, he, that we would understand and know him. He loves that we would know him. He's not so mysterious. He's not so far away that he's not knowable. He is, he's searchable. We can seek him and find him. And it says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We can all resonate with that. <laughs> There's a lot of things we don't know, right? <laughs> the, the longer you live, the more you know that you don't know a lot. But the cool thing is, is that he's saying, hey, call to me. You've got a direct line to heaven. <laughs> like, connect with me. I want to tell you things that are on my heart that you don't know yet. He's awesome. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. And a big part of this is knowing the word of God. If we want to know what he says and, and make sure that what we believe we're hearing from him bears witness, how we can check what we believe we're hearing from him is through the word of God. And it says in Colossians 3.16, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So maybe you're saying, like, I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want to be able to prophesy. I want to have words of knowledge. I want words of wisdom for people. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then those things will bubble out of you. It's a, it's a really simple equation. God didn't make these things too mysterious that he cannot be 
understood and known, which I'm so thankful. And another thing, with the climate that we live in today, it's dark out there. Spiritually, it is dark. He is the light. We want to draw near to him. But a part of that, I was actually in Haiti on my second trip, and I was sitting next to this guy. He was, he's been a missionary for over 40 years, and he's just a no-name. Like, no one will ever hear about him, but he's been faithful. He and his family just sowing into these different countries, seeing radical salvations and healings. But no one will ever know him, but God sees him. And he looks to me, and he's like, Ashley. And he kind of gets serious. He's like, Ashley, what's so important in this day and in this hour is to have a direct line to God. Let your antenna be up. Let the only thing that you want to hear is from the Lord. And it says in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So again, you know, we're not looking for the answer out here. There's a lot of deception. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of distraction. We look up. It's a really simple thing. Again, it's for children even, which is great because it's good to be childlike. It makes life more fun. <laughs> so that's a great way to test what you believe you've heard from the Lord. Another way is Proverbs 11:14, which says that in a multitude of counselors is safety. So God, he loves his body. He loves communication. He loves that we are close and connected. So go to people who you trust in the Lord. Ask them, hey, does this bear witness with you? Can you pray over that? Can you make sure I'm not like taking a way left turn that's going to get me to Timbuktu? Like, you know, we want to have that accountability, which is super good. So it also says, I think that this is a verse that we all know well in John 10, verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So that's a guarantee. We have a shepherd who's very interested in the lives of his sheep. We get to know that, hey, it's not so bad to be a sheep. That means that you have the shepherd leading and guiding you. He literally speaks to us, and we will know his voice. That's a guarantee. That's what he said, Jesus himself. So I want to share just like one quick practical way that God speaks on a regular basis, which you can find in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. It talks about the gifts of the Spirit. When you come into a relationship with Jesus and you ask to receive that second infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you begin to have a whole new life, just like you saw the disciples on the day of Pentecost and all throughout the New Testament. And one of those gifts is the word of knowledge. So recently I was driving in Southern California, which that traffic is bustling. It's pretty quick. And as I was driving, I was driving with my friend, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, the car in front of you is about to have issues. And so I knew, okay, I'm going to slow down. And sure enough, a truck with a trailer blew a tire, and they were like, Whoa, and had to pull over. But he, he gives us words of knowledge because he loves us, and he wants to protect us. And he'll also do that through us for other people, which is super awesome. One way that I practically also just on a regular basis keep that line of intimacy with the Lord is I have a Google Doc on my laptop, and I'll just type questions. You know, we all have questions. We all have things that weigh on our hearts. So I'll just say, Lord, this is on my heart, and this is how I feel. And da-da-da-da-da. It's like the Psalms, you know, like, ah, Jesus. 
And then I just listen for his voice and I write whatever I hear. And oftentimes I'll go back and it's literally scripture. It's just the word of God. And it's so simple. It's like really simple truths, but it's so comforting because he is the comforter. So to wrap up, I just wanted to finish with actually doing it as a body. So I'm going to have everyone close their eyes. And I just want to encourage you that God speaks to us in many different ways, through pictures, through nudges, through words, through the scripture. But I'm just going to pray right now and, and ask Jesus yourself and say, Lord, would you speak to me? <laughs> would you speak to me uniquely right now? in a way that I can hear. So, Lord, I just pray over each person here that, that they would hear, hear you for themselves, God, that maybe it's the first time, maybe it's just something that they need to hear, but I just pray this in Jesus' name. And I'm just going to give us about a minute to, to listen. I just thank you for being here, Holy Spirit. The picture that I got was just a simple white dove just sitting right up here on the stage. <laughs> just a reminder that he's here. He's with us. He's humble. <laughs> and he's, he's for each one of us. And I just bless you today in Jesus' name as we welcome up Misty. My sister pointed out that Ashley and I are dressed alike, and we didn't plan that, but I think that just means we're in sync, and our message is in sync, so. Good. <coughs> well, I'm just going to get right into it. One of my favorite things about the kingdom of God is that it's like a mustard seed. Uh, this parable that Jesus shares shows how the kingdom of God works and how it operates. Now, the task of taking something that is your favorite thing, like something from the kingdom of God and trying to narrow it down into a miniature message is actually really challenging because the way I see the kingdom of God, the way I even see the Bible is that it's <clears throat> a nexus. It's a series of connections bringing two or more things together. Look at the Bible for a moment, which we read and we can learn about the kingdom of God. It was written over the course of 1500 years, 40 different authors, different languages, written in different regions, and yet the Bible cross-references itself upwards of 65,000 times. God's word is vast, but it's intricately woven and connected. And to see the magnitude of that and the grandeur of that, and then to hear Jesus liken it, the kingdom of God, to a mustard seed, that kind of blows my mind. Um, it's, it's perplexing, and it's marvelous. And he starts by saying, uh, the kingdoms, or heaven's kingdom can be compared to a tiny mustard seed. So it's something that we can look at from our own earthly reality. And we can compare it to the kingdom of God to gain insight into what the kingdom of God is like and how it operates. Jesus used culturally relevant subject matter like farming and seeds and agriculture to illustrate what he was teaching because it was culturally relevant. Now, we do know that the mustard seed is very small because he says it's tiny. And the parable itself is, is pretty unassuming. A little mustard seed is 
pretty unassuming. It's not very impressive at all. Um, he doesn't elaborate on that parable very much, but he does provide us an illustration. In Matthew 13, 31, he says that although the seed is really small, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to build their nests in its branches. Something about the mustard seed that grows into a tree is that it can grow as wide as it is tall. So it can grow 20, 30 feet, but it's like a canopy because it can grow the equal width, if not wider. So it's a canopy that covers the kingdom of God. It can start something small, and it can enter into the earth, and it becomes something massive and far-reaching. Think of Jesus. How did he start? He started small. He started as a baby. And when he lived his relatively short life, the, the work that he did in cultivating the disciples that he did, they managed within their lifetime to fulfill the mandate that they had, and they spread the gospel over the known world, like a canopy over the whole earth. The Christian faith being the largest, covering the earth. And that's one of my favorite truths about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed. That just because a work of God starts as a seed, it's a small form, that small form does not dictate the outcome of its effectiveness and its influence. So when we feel something in our own life or something within us that feels small and insignificant, we can know that in the kingdom, there is exponential growth potential. And the reality is that we may not always see that full potential come to fruition in our lifetime, but that's because we are not standalone in the kingdom. But when we are in the kingdom, God always finishes what he starts, and so it won't be lost. Because our lives in the kingdom are intricately woven and connected. And I don't believe that a work of God or a miracle of God is limited by the time at which it takes to happen. A work can happen in an eighth of a second. It can happen over the course of 80 years or 800 years. It could take generations, but it's no less miraculous. It's no less God being fully involved and committed into what he's doing. Now, things that happen instantaneously, those, those miracles that we see are, well, those, those are just more fun, let's be honest, right? Those are more fun to witness because it's something that's like right in the moment. And because of our design, our God design, we crave things that are eternal and we crave things that are supernatural because that's just who we are. So when we get to see those things manifest in front of us, it's pretty incredible. So this is where I'll share just two brief examples, works of God in my own life. One that was instantaneous and one that was more like a canopy far reaching that worked throughout the course of my life. I'm going to go in chronological order. These both started back when I was in my 20s, so just a few years ago. Um, I don't know why you're laughing, but it's <laughs> not. <laughs> Actually, this year marks 20 years that I've been attending New Song. And the first um, mission trip that I went on was with New Song and the youth group to Topeka, Mexico. And I think Dan and Brenda were the same age that I am now when I went. So isn't that fun, you guys? <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Isn't that cool, though? Yeah. So I've been around a minute. Um, but the first one happened when I was 19. And just brief background, I essentially grew up as a believer. My parents met in a Mormon church. So when I was really little, I, I went there. Don't really remember much of it. Um, when I was 8, we started going to a Christian church. When I was 10, I prayed to receive Jesus. When I was 11, I was baptized. And when I was a kid, I had dreams about Jesus. And I was always, I always remember praying. I don't remember 
my life without having some acknowledgement or recognition of God. So he was always there. He was always a part of my life in some capacity. I've always felt covered and kept by him. And when I was 19, I refer to this as my mountaintop um, spiritual growth spurt experience uh, because I was literally kind of on a mountaintop and I was praying and just asking God for some direction. And it wasn't a life or death situation. I was um, working and going to school and I was bored of my job. And I was like, you know, I just had this unction to pray. Why I went to the top of John's Peak overlooking the valley, I don't know. Um, but I just had this unction to pray, like feeling like, you know what, God's going to He's going to give me some direction. I just know it. And even though it's just a temporary situation, it's just a job, it's no big deal, I really want to hear from him. I want to, I want to hear what his direction is because I, I know he wants to provide that. And so I was praying, and nothing amazing happened in the natural. There, there wasn't a splitting of the sky, and John's Peak Mountain didn't shake. But I prayed, and I just asked God for direction, and he actually spoke. And it was such a profound moment. What he said was simple, but it was profound. And it left a mark, and I've been chasing that voice ever since. And all he said was, don't leave yet. Just wait. I have something for you here. And it was so undeniably him. I would You could never convince me otherwise that it wasn't his voice. Undeniably him. And so I stayed. And the result of that was the relationships that I built with my employers and some of, of the people that they were connected with and the ways in which they had poured into my life, the ways in which I was able to pour into their lives and the people that were a part of my life as well, being able to introduce them um, to, to those individuals. One of the gals, she always used to introduce me as her adopted daughter. Like that was just like the level of, of connection and relationship that we had. And so the canopy, the way God, whoa, hit myself in the face with the mic, the way God worked through those relationships throughout the course of my life, that was something that started as a seed, those small words, small words, but they grew into, into a canopy over my life because of those relationships. Okay, now for the instantaneous work of God in my life. Um, in my 20s, I had pretty consistent bad vertigo. Um, it was a mostly I think due to the position of my neck. So I would wake up in the morning and sometimes the, the room would just literally be spinning and I'd have to crawl to get the Dramamine and just wait it out and it was horrible. I'd be walking into the walls because my balance was completely off and it happened pretty consistently. And my oldest sister, she took me, I don't know if she remembers this, she just walked in, hey girl. Yeah. <laughs> she took me to a church somewhere in Medford, and there was um, like a minister or a, a visiting ministry team there. I don't know if she remembers this or not, um, but she had one of the gals pray for me for my vertigo, and I think she was from Australia because I remember her accent, and she started praying. She put her hand on the top of my head, and I don't remember what she said, and if you've read the Bible, you know God does weird things, and so this is just a weird story, but it's it's fine. God can handle his reputation. You can think he's weird. Um, it felt like the top of my head became liquid. And like the fingertip of God went into my brain and started like swirling it all around. So it felt like the opposite of the swirling that I felt from vertigo. It's like he was undoing it. And from that point on, the vertigo pretty much left. Like over the last maybe five, ten years, I've had it like a handful of times, but not nearly 
to what it used to be and not nearly as consistently. So I say that it's gone, but just in that moment, in that, in that moment, that instantaneous work of God, something amazing happened. Now let's look to the Gospels because Jesus had the ability to know when those seeds came to life. I want to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The Gospel of John doesn't have this account, but I want to look at the story of the thieves on the cross that were being crucified with Jesus. In Matthew 27, it starts by saying that two criminals were crucified next to him, and that fulfilled the, the scripture in Isaiah, the prophecy about Jesus dying a criminal's death. But that uh, bystanders were walking by. They were mocking Jesus. The religious leaders started mocking Jesus, saying things like, save yourself, come down from the cross. And in verse 44, it says, even the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus began to taunt him, hurling their insults at him. Okay, so that's the account in Matthew. Let's look at Mark chapter 15. Two criminals were crucified with him, one on each side of him. People walking by saying, you say you can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Why don't you save yourself now? Even the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus began to taunt him, hurling insults at him. Okay, now to Luke. Religious leaders sneered at Jesus and mocked him, saying, look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretends to save others, but he can't even save himself. One of the criminals on, hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, what kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. Okay, so far it's all consistent. The criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, Don't you fear God? You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned. We are just being repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. Jesus responded, I promise you this very day you're going to enter into paradise with me. So hold on. Matthew and Mark have the exact same account, but Luke is different. So which one's true? Is this one of those things where we can say, oh, see, the Bible contradicts itself. No, that's ridiculous. Don't think that. That's not true. But which one is true? The account of the two men that had the same story or the account of Luke, the doctor, the scholar, the educated man, who in the beginning of Luke said he took meticulous detail account, eyewitnesses, you know, he's, he's, meticulous about how he's reporting the gospels and, and what happened, um, the life of Jesus. He interviewed the eyewitnesses and he took account for um, what they did. He was, he was just meticulous in his notes. So do we trust the two stories that are the same or do we trust this, um, trust Dr. Luke, who we know knows how to take good notes and knows how to write reports? Do you know that they're both true? These are not two opposing truths. They don't contradict themselves. They're both true because they actually reveal a progression. They tell a story. Did you notice some of the words that the thief used? He said grace and everlasting kingdom. How did he know those words? He must have known. He must have heard at some point the message of Jesus. But somewhere, at some point, a seed was planted in him. There was no sinner's prayer. There was no baptism. He wasn't speaking in tongues, and he didn't have time for good works. But there was revelation. To see himself as a sinner in desperate need for a savior. There's a moment that a seed burst into life, and Jesus saw it. Here's what I think happened. 
Jesus recognized the work of his father. He saw the fruition and the bursting of life from that seed. Jesus saw a man go from mocking him to crying out for grace and defending him. So in the account of Matthew and Mark, we have both criminals mocking him. And then in the account of Luke, we have him defending Jesus. And that shift, that change could only be done by revelation that was given to him for his heart to be moved and to step into that action to reach for Jesus, to cling to him for grace. And Jesus saw that shift. He saw that change because he recognized it so many times before. It was familiar to him. It was familiar to him when he had asked the disciples, hey, who, who are people saying that I am? What do people say about me? And the disciples said things like, oh, some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're just a great teacher. And then he asked them, well, okay, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, in true Simon Peter fashion, he, he's the one that speaks first saying, you're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. And because he spoke it first, and in the, in the text, it looks like he's, he's speaking it with confidence. So he wasn't questioning. He was boldly declaring it. And what did Jesus say to him? Peter, my guy, you're so smart. You figured it out. You took all the pieces together of everything I've been teaching you, and you figured it out, who I am. No, that is absolutely not what he said. Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, you are favored and privileged because you didn't discover that on your own. But my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. So he saw that with Peter, and he saw that with the thief on the cross. What kind of Messiah are you? And then a move of God came in. No, wait. I'm just being repaid for what I've done. I deserve to be here. Jesus is the innocent one. Jesus, show me your grace. Take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. Jesus was small when he entered into the earth, literally a baby, but his small and unassuming stature, like a mustard seed, was not an indicator of his impact or his influence. In the kingdom of God, something can start small, but when God's a part of it, and especially when you invite him into it, in having influence over it, it can become something incredible, something life-impacting, something that is a canopy over your life. So I encourage you to look at how the kingdom of God has been that canopy over your life, how all of those connections linking multiple things in your life um, has played out by God, how he's woven that into your life. You're going to see his faithfulness. And I just want to end on this thought. I just thought about it um, during worship. You know, the, the thief on the cross, he doesn't have a name. He's just known as the thief. But in that story, we get to see this beautiful collaboration of truth and grace meeting together. You know, if all we have is truth, then we just have judgment. You're a sinner. But if all we have is grace without truth, then it's just giving people license to live according to their own desire. But in this moment, we have this beautiful collaboration of truth and grace coming together. This man recognizing who he was, a sinner, but also seeing that he could cling to Jesus and reach to him for grace and enter into his kingdom. This man is known in the Bible as the thief on the cross, as the criminal, but that's not his present reality right now. In the Bible, he's known as a thief, but presently right now, he's the son in the kingdom. And 
in the Psalms, it says that as long as we have breath, we have hope. So the thief who was literally running out of breath still had hope. And his present reality now is that he's a son. Years ago, I heard Pastor Dan say that Jesus is the supreme circumstance of our life. I've never forgotten that, and I've often reiterated it to other people. The supreme circumstance of this man's life was Jesus, and he had a moment where he met him, and he went from being a thief to a son. So if you're here now, it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. You do have hope. And that's a real thing. It's not just a nice Christian thing to say. It's, it's a real thing. It's a true thing. Amen. Some of you are in a point right now where uh, Jesus is revealing himself to you. And I would like to appeal to you, be reconciled to God. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins. You know, the Bible makes it so simple. It just says, uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Say, Jesus is Lord. Did you mean it? Did you believe that Jesus raised, was raised from the dead? That is the proper response to get things started with that revelation that's been given to you supernaturally, as Misty was talking about just now. I also wanted to mention that one of the things I appreciate about these young ladies that ministered the word is that would you agree with me that Jesus, not only are they excellent communicators and gifted communicators of the word but did you do you see the transformation of Jesus in their lives he's done that for you too and is doing that for you too if you have an inclination to work with youth to help prepare the next generation to be world changers for Jesus should he tarry I'd like to invite you to two opportunities one is to talk to Sean about opportunities with New Song Youth Group doing a great work Sean and also yeah give Sean a hand here too but U71.5 is a multi-church experience and both uh, Ashley and Misty work with them um, with that ministry and next Sunday after after the morning service they'll be leading a workshop sharing a lunch workshop sharing opportunities but we do need RSVP for that so they know how to prepare for that. So if you would um, sign up at the welcome table afterwards, that would be good if you want to be a part of that uh, lunch next week. Also, a reminder that Marty Peterson will be and her prophetic team will be ministering personal prophetic words today yeah. after the service. So hang out if you'd like to be a part of that. Such an edifying experience. Um, Sean is going to... Um, close the service out just now and uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate you and Rob and your work and we clap for you so we don't need to do that again (laughs) we just love you so much and thank you thank you that you're equipping our young people to be world changers Sean and 
We're just so blessed by that. I'm proof that God doesn't make things clear before it happens when you're this age. It feels a little weird, but that's all right. I'm curious. Does anybody else feel blessed from today? You know, I get to be the loud voice and the goofball up in front, but it wasn't me that did it today. So I'd like to call my youth up front. If you served at all today, could you please come up here? And they're all going to glare at me as they walk up, I guarantee. I'm missing one. Okay, well, that's fine. So, the joy of, ah, there he is. Come on, dancer. Nathan knows he's my buddy, so I can pick on him. So, this isn't, you're a good man. So today, if you guys were blessed, I want you to know who did it and what they were doing. So Nathan stepped up and was one of the guys that came out and handed you out your communion today. Quiet and unassuming, and yet brought you that remembrance. Jackson hid back in the coffee bar. But he spent almost 45 minutes this morning getting all those little communion breads and the juice and everything ready. And then he went back and helped Kathy. Levi, we all get to see the handsomely dressed young man. And he really stepped up. He was greeting you at the door, smiling, looking amazing, stood up, got to let me pick on him, keeps going. Jace hides in the back. But he was back there making sure that you knew what words to sing on the songs. And he does it quite often for the church. And I'm very, very proud of him. Maybe because he's my kid, he got some really good traits from his mom. Luella steps up almost weekly at the youth group and leads our worship. And today she was up there rocking it. Grace? Yep. Grace has got that smile that she greeted you at the door with today and came around and helped hand out the communion stuff too. And Then Ella's going to hide and glare at me the whole time. That's all right. I don't care. She was also helping out with some of the communion and handing those things out to you. Rebecca today got beyond blessed. Last night she was greeting, she was singing, she was rocking. Today we got to all witness as she came up out of the tomb with Christ, as we say within the baptism. Thank you. And she also sings weekly, almost weekly with Uella. Kalia showed up today. What do I do? What do you need? Just that enthusiasm. And she jumped up and was in the coffee bar, making sure that you guys got the caffeine so you could stay awake <laughs> and got the communion going. Aiden walked in today and says, whatever you need, I got you. I mean, come on, guys, these are teenagers. Whatever you need, that doesn't happen. And he went around and handed out the communion, did amazing. And we all love Trevor. Trevor said he was told to come up here, but just his prayers. And then I'm not sure, Josh is probably back in the room, but he also handed out the communion. Guys, can you do me a favor? Can we all put our hands out towards these guys? This is our next generation. This is what I look at as the future of the church. We're just here to show them what's coming up. So as I lead in a prayer, if you guys could just cast your hearts towards them, let's get them lit up on fire as we see this. Lord Jesus, thank you for each one of these young kids that are here, God. 
I shouldn't even call them kids, these teens. Thank you for the desire that you put in their heart for you to just serve in whatever capacity, the gifts that you've given them. We ask for more. We ask for that small spark that may be in their heart to turn into a forest fire for you, to burn bright and to be that generation that stands out in these times. As Ashley mentioned, we're in a dark time. And yet we have a light and let that light grow through them that they can be a light to their generation. Thank you for each one of them. Continue to grow within their lives. Continue to lead them to you. And thank you for the blessing that they are to each one of us. We ask you to continue to work in each one of their lives. In Jesus' name. Guys, if you want prayer today, we are going to ask the pastoral care team to come up on this side. But I'm also, my youth are going to stay over here. I call them my youth. They're not... They're the church's youth, but I'm like that lost dad that just wants to grab all of them. If you guys want to be prayed over by him and want to have your world rocked, because if you've ever been prayed over by a teen, there's nothing like it. I'm sorry, but it's just amazing. We're going to have them over here. Guys, we love you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for being a part of this church and at home. We haven't forgot about you, I promise. Blessings to everybody here. Enjoy the rest of your day. And if you want a word from God, remember, Marty and her team will be up here. Thank you.